The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 78. Even though Spanish is the second most spoken language in the world, 80% of residents of Galicia prefer to speak Gallego. Tomato, tomato. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and whether this is your first time listening, hello, newbies, or you have listened to all 3,465 minutes of this podcast so far, just an approximation, I want to thank you for joining us today and making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And today, guys, you are in for a treat. You know how Discovery Channel does Shark Week. Well, this week, it's Gale Week on Extra Pack of Peanuts. We had her on yesterday to give us some incredible tips on walking the Camino. And today, she's back with us to discuss her adopted hometown, Santiago de Compostela, and tell us everything to see, to do, and to eat in Santiago, as well as tips on the surrounding area of Galicia. So, Gail, welcome back. Thank you, Trav. For those of you who missed yesterday's show or you just haven't listened to it yet, Gail is my twin sister. So we are actually both in Philadelphia for the first time together in a long time. So we get to do this podcast live across from each other. So it's a lot of fun. And if you did miss yesterday's show and you want some information on walking the Camino, there is so much good information in there from what routes to take, how to potentially avoid blisters, everything like that from someone who has walked the Camino before, my sister. Um, you can get that. You can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Camino. And today we are doing a destination diary on Santiago de Compostela. And you'll hear me pronounce some things right, probably a lot of things wrong. So I am going to kind of give it to Gail to pronounce this stuff in Spanish. We will link up everything in the show notes as well that we recommend and that we talk about. You'll be able to get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash Santiago. So Gail, let's start with the lowdown on Santiago de Compostela. Where is it? Why do people go there? How can they find it? All that type of stuff. Uh, okay. Santiago is a city. It's the capital city of Galicia, and it is located in northwestern Spain, which is the little panhandle above Portugal. It's pretty much in the farthest corner of Europe that you can kind of get to in the West. People who come there, um, you have to want to go there. It's not you're just going to happen there by accident. Um, but people come there mainly for the pilgrimage and the cathedral. Um, so most of the people that come are pilgrims or tourists. There have a lot of tours and tour groups that uh, now stop through Santiago as well while they're touring Spain. A lot of Spaniards come there because it's a, a medieval city. I mean, like most of Spain and a lot of people vacation there during the summer. Um, the coast is beautiful in Galicia. It's colder than other places, but it's not as hot as like the south of Spain in the summer months. So it's a nice respite for the people that live in the beautiful sunny parts of Spain, whereas Santiago is a more rainy part. But 
summer is usually pretty beautiful. Yeah, and you, most of you have probably heard of Santiago de Compostela. If you have heard of it, it's because of the pilgrimage, the Camino that ends in Santiago. But there's a lot to do there that isn't just wrapped around the Camino. Of course, if you're going to walk the Camino, well, you're going to end up in Santiago at some point. But a lot of people have started to come there, as Gail mentioned, you know, as tourists, especially Spanish tourists, because it is a beautiful old city. It's, it's not near as big as Madrid or Barcelona or anything like that, but it is becoming a, a bit more of a tourist hub in Spain. So if someone wanted to come to Santiago, what would be, you know, we said you can't really just happen upon it unless you just take a left turn somewhere and you just keep driving until you hit the ocean, then maybe you'll run into Santiago. But it's very hard to just happen upon. It's in the northwest corner. How do people get to Santiago? Uh, most people fly into Santiago. There's an airport there. There's also an airport in Acaruña, which is um, one of the cities above us, and in Vigo, which is to the south. There's also um, a pretty good train system that connects to Madrid, to Barcelona, to different parts of Spain, and also down to Portugal. You might have to change trains because they don't like to share with Portugal the Got you know. that rivalry right there. That, <laughs> But you'll have to change to a Portuguese train, but you can get there and it's uh, not too bad. And I guess, I mean, you can drive there as well. Like people drive, they'll rent a car, fly into Madrid, rent a car and drive up. It's about, I don't know, I've never driven it, probably about seven hours, I would think. There's different ways. I guess if you're in England, you can maybe boat on over to Acaruña, take a train down. <laughs> yeah. Me and Heather, when we came and visited Gail, what we did was we flew into Madrid and then we took the train. It was it was pretty cheap. I remember it being something like 30 euros or 35 euros. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's probably about right. The The train, if especially if you can buy the tickets online ahead of time, a lot of times they have cheaper prices online. Um, sometimes foreign credit cards don't really work. You have to go th jump through hoops to do it. But if you can get them online, they're usually a lot cheaper than if you were to go to the train station or to buy them last minute. Um, you can usually save a pretty good chunk of money. Um, they also have a what they call a train hotel, which is the overnight train to Madrid as well. I'm not sure if you get a bed or what. I know it's a slower train, so but it goes overnight, so people just sleep on it. So. Yeah, and if you have a sister who speaks Spanish, then it's really easy to do it online because you just have her do it for you. But you, you, you know, you can Google Translate or figure out your way around there. We did take the train; it was really comfortable, really nice. Took about seven hours, so you could rent a car and go up there, or you could take the train. What we ended up doing, and we'll talk about this a little later on, is we took the train up to Santiago and then rented a car in Santiago and used that to kind of get to the surrounding area, um, which we found just to be you know more cost efficient and easier because we we didn't have to make that seven hour drive on our own. So once you get into Santiago, there is a lot to do. What are some of the things that people, you know, they come to Santiago to do? What what should they do when they arrive in Santiago? Well, the two biggest attractions in Santiago are the cathedral and the market. So I would suggest that you, the first thing you do is depending on when you get in, if you get in in the morning and you're not jet lagged or anything um, and you have time to walk around go to the open air market. Um, it's called Mercado de Abastos and it is the open air market. There's stalls, um, of fish, chicken, produce, flowers. There's a machine that you can get milk from. It's pretty interesting, but they have everything there. They have people who sell spices and just different things. And it's, it's a really cool place and it's open every day till two, except for Sundays. And Mondays are not a very big day either because usually people are recuperating from the week. But Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays are the biggest days. And it's open till about two, maybe two thirty in the summer. 
Um, and that's a really cool place. I like to do some of my shopping there as yeah. much as I can. And we should lay out the kind of the geography of Santiago. And we'll, we'll refer to it as Santiago, um, you know, shorthand. People do that. But Santiago de Compostela is the whole name. The geography of Santiago is a bit unique. Yeah, there's an old town and... I enjoy Old Town because I live in it, but it it used to have a wall around it like most medieval cities. So it's pretty much kind of like an oval. And then all the rest of the newer parts of town um, go out from there. Uh, so the market is on the edge of one of the sides of Old Town. And then the cathedral is not quite in the middle, but pretty much in the middle of Old Town. And you pretty much just... If you go to the cathedral, if you just know where to go from the cathedral, you can always get home because people can easily point you to the cathedral. It's a pretty good landmark. And Old Town is very small. I mean, there's tiny, windy cobblestone streets. Actually, not a lot of cars aren't really allowed in Old Town except for like delivery there's, trucks and stuff. Yeah, right? there's certain there's certain streets you can drive on and you, you have to have um, a pass to get in. Or you just, you can go in the mornings during deliveries. You're allowed to drive in as well, but you have to leave by 10 or 10.30. So a lot of the streets are pedestrian only, so you can't even drive on them with a pass. But yeah, it's, it's pretty windy. A lot You can get lost pretty easily, even though it's not that big, just because everything looks the same. It's all medieval stone and it's it's easy to get it confused, but it's it's not big. You can, you just get yourself to the cathedral and learn how to get home from there. <laughs> and if people are coming as tourists, most of the t- they will spend a lot of their time in Old Town, right? Yeah, most likely. Um, there are, however, lots of things to see outside of Old Town, such as there's quite a few parks. Uh, Santiago is very proud of their parks. They're quite beautiful. There's quite a few of them that have very great views of Old Town and the yeah, cathedral. Yeah, what's the one park that we're in with that really cool, there's a statue of a guy, a really skinny guy with a long beard and glasses sitting on a park bench who I've never been able to figure out who that guy is. <laughs> That's uh, Alameda. I think he was a professor at the university or he okay. wrote stuff. Um, I've Googled it. Google doesn't <laughs> have the answer of who the skinny bearded guy with glasses yeah, is in there's that a plaque park. that tells you but i i don't know who he is um but that's alameda and that's one of the main parks it's right outside of old town there's fairs there during the summer or during the spring um they have a lot of different things going on there so that's a really fun place there's also bonneval which is um up kind of on a hill and you it's quite it's it's worth the the trip up the hill because the views are stunning and a lot of people go there on sundays or really sunny days during the spring and summer to just you know, hang out, throw a frisbee, or you know, play guitar, just relax and hang out with their friends. And there's another one called Belvis, which is right below Seminario Menor, which is an old monastery that also has an, a pilgrim hostel. And it has like a little maze of of bushes, and the kids love to play in that on our team. And it's it's again just a nice park where people just go and hang out and sit in the grass on nice days. So the parks in Santiago are quite an attraction to themselves. But the main attraction, the cathedral, can you go in, uh, you know, for free? Do you have to pay? And, you know, I I know there's closing times. Like, you can walk around at any time. It's really cool at night. Gail showed us some really cool shadows that, you know, with stories behind it and, and things like that. But what about, like, going into the cathedral or seeing a mass or when should people head there? Um, definitely there are closing times. Um, I, I forget exactly when it closes at night. Probably around, I would say nine o'clock, but it opens up during the day and you can just go whenever you want. Mass every day is at, at noon. There's a pilgrim mass. There are some other masses that go, go on. I know Sat or Fridays at seven 30, 
there is a mass at night that every every Friday they swing the butafamero and ah the big ball <laughs> or I'm not allowed to call that it's not a ball but it's, this huge thing it's the incense uh, holder I don't know what they're I don't know what they're called either the um, but it's giant it's about five feet tall I think I read and it used to be because the pilgrims would stay in the cathedral. So to cover up the smell, they needed a giant one. At least that's what they say. I assume it's true because people yeah, who would have would walked have in middle of times would have been really smelly. They they swing it every so often. It depends. It depends if people have sponsored it or not. But the set time is Friday at 730. That mass, they will swing it. Um, that's guaranteed. The rest of the time, it's kind of hit or miss. So if you want to see it, summer, they swing it a lot more because there's a lot more people. It's quite a sight to see. It's it's definitely worth a lot of people want to see it and it's definitely it's definitely pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, a very cool thing to see. Me and Heather didn't get to see it, but I've you know, I've seen it on TV. You could YouTube it, you know, there's there's videos of it. It's just a, a really neat thing that they that they do in Santiago, kind of a traditional thing. Speaking of traditional, there's a lot of different types of food and places to eat and stuff in Santiago because it's Galicia, so the food is different than some of the rest of Spain. What are some things that people should be eating, you know, traditional dishes and and kind of where should they eat them? You definitely want to eat the seafood when you go to Galicia because while they're on the coast and that is what they're known for. Yeah, the pulpo is octopus and they're definitely known for their octopus. Usually if it's pulpo agaigo, it's pulpo and it's steamed and it's um, cut up and then has some olive oil and like I think paprika on it. But you definitely want to try the different seafood. They have tons of different kinds of clams and mussels and all sorts of stuff that I'm not a huge seafood fan, but I've eaten some of it and it's delicious. If you're going to eat it anywhere, even if you don't like seafood, it you're going to eat it there. So I would say definitely the seafood. If you're not a seafood lover, they definitely have a lot of good meat dishes with potatoes there. It's very, it's very simple food. It's, it's pretty much meat, potatoes. They have, during the summer, you can get pimientos de padrón, which are uh, char-grilled peppers that look kind of like jalapenos, but some are spicy and some aren't. It, do, you, do you know which one? No, do you just, it you is just a, it is a surprise with oh. every bite. Usually, there you don't get many spicy ones. It's They're not usually that spicy. You, I said that one time, and there was a time when me and my, my coworkers, one who has lived in India and loves spicy food, we could not finish a plate of it because it was just too spicy. Wow. But that is a rare a rare occurrence. Usually they're pretty mild, but they are delicious. And they are from Padrón, which is in Galicia. And um, they're seasonal. But if you're there during the summer, maybe late spring, early fall, you'll be able to get them. Yeah. And there's also a drink that we had that called Queimada, which I thought was absolutely horrific. And I usually don't mind drinks, but I think it's something you have to try. We went out and tried it with Gayana and her co-workers when we were there. And it is a traditional Galician. Is it Galician or yeah, in no, Santiago? It's, 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 a, just- it's a Galician uh, drink. It's made with arujo, which is um, which is basically the, the Galician moonshine. It's um, this distilled, I think, from grapes. My teammate Jeremiah is probably going to correct me on that, but I think it's from grapes, distilled alcohol that. I'm pretty sure I read it's 50% and 100 proof, and it is basically just straight, clear liquor. It's like the Galician vodka or the Galician moonshine. And what what they do is they have these clay pots, and they put the rujo in it, and they put some cloves and different spices and peels of oranges and, and lime, and then they light it on fire. And then as you as it's on fire, traditionally, they would have an incantation. And 
I'm not positive if it keeps witches away or it was said by witches. I don't know which. There's witches <laughs> were involved somehow with Kamada. That's yeah, why it there's tastes a lot so of, awful. <laughs> I I do not like it either. But there's a lot of um, liqueurs that are delicious, made from a rujo. Like they have a, a Bailey's equivalent called crema, and they have cafe and um, just different ones that are actually really delicious. Um, but the straight rujo is is not my favorite. Um, there's a lot of superstitions in Galicia about witches, um, on the feast of Saint, uh, Saint Sam Juan, <laughs> I think it is. It's, um, during the summer solstice and they light fires and at midnight you jump over the fires and it keeps you protected from witches the rest of the day and you eat sardines. They're big on sardines. They roast them over a fire and you just eat them. I don't know if you eat the bones. I think they eat the bones. I don't eat fish bones, so I'm not really sure, but, um, people seem to love it. I'm not a, Huge fan of sardines. I will eat other fish. <laughs> and if you do the Kamada drink, I mean, don't expect to like it. Maybe you would, but basically it's a flaming vat of liquor that then has like orange peels yeah. and coffee beans and mm-hmm. all this stuff in it. You, you might love it, but you should try it if you're there. And it's definitely an experience. It's it's what you do. It's what you should do for an experience. And where we got it, there was no incantation. They just gave it to us, lit it on fire. They said in five minutes, blow it out. Don't just keep it on fire. Right. And but the locals will probably <laughs> like you for it, too. I remember people looking at us and kind of like cheering us on like, all right, these are some... To- well, you guys live there, but these are some tourists giving this a try. So definitely try the Kemada. Everyone loves recommendations of like specific places to eat and drink. And I know you've got... I mean, you've lived there for two years now. So I know there's some places that for you are special or just better because we've talked about what they should eat. Definitely seafood. Definitely those, well, I don't know what you said, pimientos de... Padron. Padron. Um, and quemada and things like that. What are some of the... Where are some of the places that they should eat? And we'll link these up if, if we can and maybe put them on a map or somehow for you guys. But there's some places that you really like. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite restaurants is... It's a little more expensive. It's Nothing is that expensive food-wise there except that we have to convert to euros. But... Um, it's a, it's a sit down restaurant and it's, um, called Daisy Sace and it's on San Pedro, which is the, um, the road that brings the Camino in. And it is a typical Galician, uh, restaurant and they have really good meat dishes, meat, potato, fish dishes that, that are just very I, traditional. I, yeah, yeah. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's just, just they're, well done. They're very well done. Very, very delicious. And yeah, we go there sometimes for special team, team meals if we have the, you know, we have the time, but I would definitely suggest that if you want a nicer meal, um, maybe a little splurge. And what's a typical, because stuff in Spain, especially out in Galicia, is cheaper than people are going to expect, you know, if they're coming from Paris or London or any of those other uh, European cities, what's a normal amount that you would say you would spend on a dinner? Like DAC Sace would be a little bit of a splurge, but what would you get an entree for? How much would you spend at dinner? At DAC Sace, it's probably around 12 to 15 euros. Some of the other places you could probably eat for between 8 to 12, depending on what you got. A lot of times, I mean, you can get raciones, which are like basically appetizer shared plates. Um, and you can, that can be pretty inexpensive and you can try a, a lot of different things. It's pretty common to do that at night since their big meal is during the midday. And so a lot of places, a lot of restaurants don't actually open back up until eight. They'll close after their big meal and then they won't open back up till eight anyway. So yeah, which Heather and I had to get used to because we were like, let's go get something to eat at 6 p.m. And they'd be like, nope, nope not you, until eight. It's very hard to find food at that time. So you either eat at between one and three or you eat at eight, um, which is, you know, 
the way they do things. But it's funny because they'll serve you like alcohol. Remember, we were somewhere else in Europe. So it was like, (laughs) no, we won't serve you food at 7 p.m., but feel free to come in and drink as much as you want, and then we'll open the kitchen back up at 8. You can always get alcohol. I mean, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. And if you like alcohol, um, I would I would recommend my favorite place to get sangria is called Ruabea. It's on Ruanova. And it just so happens to be right next to Pilgrim House where I work. So the bartenders and waiters may or may not know me and my coworkers, but uh, they're very, very nice people. Most of them are from Latin America and they're just, it's quality food. It's, it's, reasonably priced food. Their food is delicious. They actually have really good pizza, even though I know people coming to Spain aren't going to want to eat pizza, but I like to eat pizza. So um, their pizza is good. Their their Spanish food is good. And their sangria is phenomenal. Awesome. And there's... All right. So DAC says you mentioned there's a few other places you like eating. And one that we... That I want to mention, I don't remember the name, so you'll help me out, but there's like a cafeteria style place you can only get like the menu. Yeah, right? it's called um, Casa Manolo, and it's really popular with pilgrims, um, especially because it serves only what they call a menu, um, which looks like menu to us English speakers. But menu. it does not mean the menu they're going to bring you. That is called a carta. So the menu is a set um, is a three course meal, and you have the first plate, the second plate, and then you ha- usually have dessert and bread and you know, usually wine, beer, or water. This place only has water with it. You can buy wine and beer for extra. And it was cheap. I remember uh, like yeah, a craft of like a liter of wine or something. It was, was like two euros, two I think. Two or three euros, yeah. And so they they have, it, the menus are fixed prices. So it'll just be like nine, nine euros. Um, it's pretty standard for Santiago between seven and 12 euros for menus. Seven would probably be the lowest, but there's not a lot in Old Town anyway. When you get outside of Old Town, things are a lot cheaper depending on where you are the further away from the cathedral because further away from tourism. But Casa Manolo is right in Old Town and it's a really great location. Um, but they usually have quite a few options. Sometimes for the first few plates, restaurants will only have three options and then three more options for the second. But this one will have... This one has quite a few um, different options and the portions are very generous. So if you're looking for a meal to fill you up and is really inexpensive, I would definitely suggest there. Yeah. Cool. Other places that people should look for eating, we can just, you know, rattle these off if there if you do have other recommendations. Yeah. For seafood, I would definitely say there's one called Maria Castañas. It's more sit down seafood, but really delicious. And right next door is El Gato Negro, which is um, really popular with locals, really small hole in the wall type seafood place, but really delicious. But get there early because it fills it gets crowded and you won't be able to get in. If you are into kebabs or Thai food, pizza or fried chicken, there is one restaurant in town that serves all three. (laughs) All foreign foods. And I actually am blanking on the name of it right now, but you, it's not hard to find it. Um, there's in old town, there's two kebab shops and they're pretty much right next to each other. So we ate at, I'm blanking on the name as well. We'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, but we ate at a kebab place in Santiago. That was the other one. Yep. Yeah. The <laughs> other one. And it was okay. So, so either kebab shop, you, you can, you can, yeah, it's going to be yeah. fine. All right. Very cool. So, and other eating, I, I don't want to cut you off. I know there's other a few. eating. I mean, there's, ton, there's tons of, um, uh, cafes with really nice terrazas or bakeries like, um, too. yeah, good bakeries. So you, if you, if it's nice weather, you want to look for cafes. There's one called Costa Vea. It has a really nice garden seating. I think it's Pub Momo. They have a really nice, um, like patio, really big outdoor seating. And then at night turns into a pub with music and blue lights and pool and all sorts of weird stuff. But people seem to really like it. I, I enjoy sitting outside there. 
Um, yeah. Cool. I mean, you can't go wrong. There's like a, a billion places yeah. to eat there and they're all delicious. Yeah. DAC says, <laughs> though, we didn't get the chance because it was closed and we tried to go. So if you go, definitely go for a nice little splurge meal. I know you took our parents there and, and they really liked it as well. What about, you know, accommodations? Because you guys have a pilgrim house, which we talked about yesterday. Um, you guys should definitely check it out if you are going through Santiago. But right now, it is just a place to kind of hang out, do laundry, use the internet, you know, like a meeting place. But you, yeah. you're you not able to have overnight guests yet. Where should people stay if they're coming through Santiago? Whether they're done the pilgrimage? Well, let's first, I guess, talk about pilgrims because that's a little different. Yeah, for pilgrims, um, there's, there's quite a few alberques, uh, pilgrim hostels, but some are further out. There's quite a few ones. There's one called Roots and Boots that's right near Alameda Park. Um, there's one called Findel Camino that's a little further out, but the cheapest one I know of. And they used to be run by the Pilgrim Office, and I'm not sure if they still are, but we know the people that run that, and they're very nice people, and that's only eight euros a night. There's another one called Last Stamp that's right in Old Town, and it's um, it's new, kind of kind of hipsterish, but very, very nicely done. Um, You'd have to be wearing skinny jeans and have a mustache. (laughs) I don't think so, but it's just, it's very, it's very trendy and it's, it's very beautiful inside. It's small, but they, um, I, we've heard good reviews. I don't think you have to be a pilgrim to stay there. I'm not quite sure. I think in all these places you might be able to just come and stay, but they are geared towards pilgrims. Um, if you're just coming as a tourist or a visitor, there's quite a few hotels. If you wanted to really splurge, there's the Parador, which is, I think, one of the oldest functioning hotels, maybe in Europe. I think definitely in Spain. And it's, it's quite a treat. It's, it's rather expensive, but it's where all, it's where like the King of Spain will stay when he comes or the Prince of Japan was there or, or the, the founder of EPOP. The founder of EPOP might stay there if he can work it into his budget. Um, we're more along the lines of the eight euro places, yeah. Uh, there's also quite a few pensions, and a lot of them are listed on uh, Booking.com or uh, Hotels.com, different things like that um, to find. So there's quite a few pensions in town that we've heard good things about. Just they're too numerous to kind of stay at all, at them all. As um, a general rule, would you recommend if someone's coming in as a tourist and they have? you know, three to five days in town, would you recommend that they stay in the old city? Uh, well, it's not, even the city is not that big. So even if you wanted to stay further out and that would be fine because you can, I mean, you can walk anywhere in Santiago in almost a half hour, maybe 45 minutes if you go to the real far city limits and you're a slow walker like so me. So even if you but, stay outside, you can easily walk into oh, the Oh yeah, city. there's tons of places right around old city that's only like 10, 15 minutes out. There are buses. There's different things. So, I mean, if you really wanted to just stay in Old City, I mean, there's plenty of options. But the options outside Old City are also pretty nice and affordable. Yeah. And a lot of tourists do come to Santiago then to see the Old City, see the cathedral, um, have that big swinging ball of incense go over their head, eat the great food. But there's a lot to do outside of Santiago. And we want to touch on this a little bit into the rest of Galicia. And luckily, Heather and I did do this with Gail when we were there as well. We rented a car in Santiago, I think for two or three days. There are a few car rentals like literally right in Santiago. Um, and if you arrive at the train station, we should mention this too, train station, you can easily walk into the old city. What about the airport? The airport, you just, you can hop on a bus and it takes you right into town and uh, right near the old city. Okay. Um, So that's, it's pretty easy to get from all the major transportation hubs into the city. Um, There's also car rental places at the airport and the train station. And I would definitely suggest if you're coming to Galicia to rent a car, because it is 
there's so many beautiful things to see and to drive along the coast that you can get to different places by bus or train, um, which I do because I don't own a car, but you can get to a lot more beautiful places if you have a car and you can you can find your way around or just stumble upon things because it really is a beautiful region. It's very green. It's very, um, it's very coastal. It's, it's just a pretty awesome place to explore. Yeah. We had a fantastic travel day. So we'll talk now about getting out of Santiago. We had a fantastic two travel days when we went outside of Santiago into the surrounding countryside. One of them, we went up out to Finisterre, Finisterra, however you say it, the end of the world where they believed was the furthest or the most Western point of Europe back in the day until they realized there was a part of Portugal that stuck out a little further. But um, that is kind of where some pilgrims will choose to walk to to end their journey. But we obviously drove out there. Talk a little bit about those two options. And then also, we went to a really cool ruin site that no one seems to know about except for locals. Like We didn't see it listed in any guidebooks or anything like that. Yeah, two different directions. Um, well, kind of. But we, when we drove, we drove up the coast. It's called the Costa da Morte, which is the coast of death, um, because of all the shipwrecks that happened along the coast, because it's very rocky. Um, it's not very protected from the mainland or anything, but it's very beautiful. Um, stunning. Just so much fun. Yeah, tons of beaches. Galicia has tons and tons of beautiful beaches, some of the best beaches in Spain. And that's not just me saying that. I've looked it up and it actually said that on websites. <laughs> yeah, renowned travel websites like TripAdvisor and Lonely Planet. Um, not just Extra Pack of Peanuts podcaster. But you... You have to know that the water is cold all year round. I don't mind that. I like cold water. But if you do not, you might want to just go and sunbathe. But it's very it's very nice to go to the beach and everything there as well. And we even went in February. So we were there in February and we didn't go in the water, although I, I touched my feet and all. But we went just for the drive and we would get off at these beaches. There'd be no one there, obviously, but there'd be tiny little towns. And then we would just kind of walk along the sand and, and just take some really, really cool pictures. So even if you're there off season, you could still make use of the beaches. You just won't be swimming. Yeah. I mean, Galicia is known for its fishing. And that, so it has tons of fishing towns and you can just drive through them. And a lot of them are really old. Um, they have All of them have old cities, like old parts of town. And so you really can't, I mean, any time of year, Galicia, it rains a lot in the winter. Travis and Heather lucked out with getting some days of non-rain. So you have to take that into consideration. But even with that, it's still a very beautiful place. So when you drive up, like you can take the coast all the way up to Finisterre. And you can also then hop on over to Mushia, which is also along the coast. And um, Travis and Heather didn't go to Mushia, but it is a very also another beautiful town and it has a lighthouse. You can't walk to that. No, you can walk to that lighthouse. Both of them have lighthouses. But Mushia also has this old church that's on the coast that last year or the year before the roof caught on fire and it and then a tidal wave came and hit it. But it's still there, but it's, it's in a little less it's good condition. A little condition. worse for wear after last year. <laughs> um, but, it stood for 800 years and now... Yeah, yeah. it's um, but it's still a beautiful place to see and kind of watch the sunset. Both, like, all those places have beautiful sunsets and places where you can sit and just watch the sun go down. And they're about what? I, I'm going to be wrong here. An hour and a half drive? Two yeah, hour I think, drive? I think Finisterre is like an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and then by car, and then Mushia might be... Same, like two and two hours. Right. Two and and you can do both. You are kind of going in the same direction. You're going towards the coast and then mm. 
Mushia is just north of it. So you could go to Finisterre and then get back on the road and then go up to Mushia. Yeah, you can do both. And you can also take buses from Santiago again if you don't want to rent a car. The buses go to Finisterre and Mushia. I mean, they're two separate buses, but you can you can go there. It also stops at a beach along the way to Finisterre called San Francisco. And it is a very nice beach that me and uh, my friend found that the bus takes us there and we don't have to drive. Oh, um, very cool. Yeah, it was recommended to us by our team leader, Nate. And it was a very good recommendation because it's a very nice family-friendly beach and uh, you can just, yeah, it's it's really long and beautiful. So if you're looking for a beach day, I would suggest there or if you go south and we can talk about that in a moment. Yeah, and we were <laughs> driving just to wrap up that kind of part of the route because there's other places you can go. You know, just we would drive and we would stop in a town and it'd be a small town and be beautiful. There was that one particular town we could kind of walk up the winding back roads. Um, I think that was Moros. We parked. Yeah, and Moros. And yeah. San Francisco, the beach to San Francisco is right after, is the next town after that. Okay, yeah. so Moros. Yeah, but you know, you just park in a town, you walk around, they're small, you can get around, grab something to eat. We went into like a local pub and, and you know, there was, it was all locals, obviously, and not, uh, we weren't. And it's just, just some cool experiences to so just park at any of them. Moros was really, really neat. Then the other day we went kind of the opposite way. Yeah, we went to the ruins that Travis was talking about are so called, cool. So <laughs> they, cool. They are very cool. I need to find oh, there they are. The the name is Castro de Boronia and I might have said that wrong, hopefully not. There's a cafe there and a little tiny sound that says sign that says Boronia and uh You'll probably miss it cuz we <laughs> knew we were looking for it and we went by like 3 it, times. It's not about, the easiest to find, but once you find you park at the cafe or on the road right next to the cafe and then you can walk down um through the woods kind of to this uh ruins and it's not just a nature trail so don't don't do what we did where i wore toms travis wore, wore leather loafers, loafers and heather, heather wore, wore heels yeah, some sort she of wore some boots. sort of platform boots so yeah, we didn't think it would be a hike we just assumed we would <laughs> be there when we stopped the car it's no. not the, that bad of a hike if you have the right footwear um but it's beautiful they're old celtic ruins um and they're huge like it's just yeah. a huge area like we were blown away we thought it'd be like one little mini tower or something but it's it's pretty expansive yeah and it's right on the water and um it it has beautiful views and it's just a pretty awesome place to go and i mean i think people know about it but not a lot of tourists it doesn't seem because yeah there's one house if you look to your left away from the ocean there's a a really cool beach there on the left of the ruins and there's just one house there that's a nudist beach by the way i found out when i took mom and dad there very (laughs) cool said nudist beach (laughs) well i guess that's why it's fairly remote um just a cool place one of the places that we stumbled upon that we just thought man this is a this is actually a hidden gem because we were told by locals and gail lived there so she was able to take us but it, it is a hidden gem. You won't really see any other locals there. I don't think we saw anyone else there when we were there. Maybe no, during, two other people. When we went during the up. summer, there was a lot, there was quite a few people there with mom and dad. But but in February, no one's going there. No. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely head head there. And then you have some other recommendations of places to go that that we didn't go with you to. Yeah. There's definitely if you're going to be in Galicia for any amount of time, and it's between May and I think September or October. Definitely try and get to the Isla Cies. And it's, there's these islands and they're protected. They're nature preserves, but they have some of the most beautiful beaches in the world on them. And they only let, I think about 200 people per day, or maybe it's 2000. It's probably 2000. I get numbers really wrong, but they only allow a certain amount of, 
people per day. So only a certain amount of ferries go there per day. And you you can buy tickets online ahead of time. But it's definitely worth the money to go there. Um, you can spend the whole day there and then take a boat back. I went with our younger brother, Cody, and our friend, Shannon. And we went in May and there was only one boat going because it wasn't open for season yet. And there was like no one there. We took a right where everyone else took a left from the boat and we found a beach and had it completely to ourselves for the entire day until about four o'clock. I didn't know about this. <laughs> Dang it. It's not open in February, but my teammate Anne has gone later and she just, she has said, even when there's a lot of people there, you can, you can still find your own little, your own little spot and just, you know, the seagulls might steal your pastries, which they did to us because they're, they're not afraid of humans, but it's a very beautiful place. There's lighthouses, there's trails you can hike on. Um, you, you need to bring all your own food. Well, there is a cafe that's open during the summer, but you want to bring some of your own food. You can, everyone's allowed one bag. Um, you can't bring a ton of stuff. You can't bring bikes or there's no cars or anything like How that. How did you guys get there? Did you drive out there and then you we, take the boat across? We drove to Vigo and then took, took the bus. You can leave, the boats leave from Vigo, Congas, um, and, another one other town i think there but those are the two main ones congas and vigo and, and can you take a bus all the way from santiago to vigo I you assume. can take the train and, okay. i mean you could take a bus too i'm sure but the train takes you right to the port and it's really okay really easy um and, and then it, how long of a journey is that for the train an hour an hour okay. and a half so maybe. we're all ta- we're talking day trips here if yeah, you're staying in santiago yeah. you can do all these in a day trip yeah definitely and the ruins were only like 30 minutes, 45 yeah. minutes. So all of these are, yeah, small day trips. And the, on the East Las Cies, you can, um, you can actually camp there. You have to sign up ahead of time. Then you can either bring your own tent or they will, pr- or you can pay more and have one provided for you with like a bed. Um, we weren't able to do that option. We wanted to, but since it wasn't the season, they said no. So we ended up staying in a hotel on the beach in Congas, which was a wonderful hotel. Very inexpensive. The lady provided us breakfast and everything. And I will have to look, look up the link to her hotel because I can't remember the link of it, but it was just she, you could tell she loved her job. And Congas is a little beach town. It's right across the water from Vigo. So you can take a ferry if you're staying in Vigo or you get to Vigo, you can take a ferry over there. It's about, I think, a half hour ferry ride. And, um, one of the best restaurants, one of the best places I've ever eaten, Tortilla Española, which is a Spanish dish. It's an egg and potato omelet that's really thick and they cut it in wedges like pie. And it is, just one of the best things I've ever, ever eaten, I think, in Spain. Wow. And it's um, called Tabernia Dos Chata. And it was recommended by our hotel lady, <laughs> the owner. And we, Cody had never had it before. So we wanted to get tortilla. And it's a very, very popular dish. It's a very common dish in Galicia, I think, in all of Spain. And they have a house special. They have the regular one, which is just potato and eggs. And then they have a house special, which changes daily. And ours had chorizo, which is the Spanish meat, like, you know, pepperoni type meat, cheese, and I think ham. And it was about, I don't know, probably a good five inches high or something. It was... It's almost dinner time here, Gail. You're (laughs) killing me. It was delicious. So if you go to Congas, which I think is a cute little beach town, and if you're in Vigo, definitely worth the ferry ride over, 
go to Dos Chata. It is locals. The the locals were chatting us up and everything because they were just so intrigued that we were there and they were really nice and it was delicious. And that is exactly the type of information. I did not know Gail was going to share this. That was exactly the type of information we're trying to get on these podcasts. It's just these hidden little places that have awesome food or awesome atmosphere Anywhere else that you can recommend then as far as like little day trips? We've talked about going out to the coast and then, you know, to the islands and also the ruins. What else around Santiago? If you're a day trip from Santiago, you can go to the city of Lugo. And I've never, I have not been there yet, but it's, um, it's one of the only cities left that has uh, the complete Roman wall still intact around it. And you can walk it all around. I think it's like two kilometers long or something. It's a historical site and everything. Um, and I've heard that the, you go there to eat. Like the restaurants in Lugo are just phenomenal. So if you want another day trip that's more inland, um, you can go to Lugo. There's also, um, the, the cathedral beaches, which is above Lugo. It's in the province of Lugo. You probably need a car to get there or you might be able to take a bus from Lugo. So if you're staying in Lugo, you take a day trip and you're going to stay another day. You could probably find a bus up to them, but they are beautiful. I have yet to be there as well, but you want to make sure you go when it's low tide so you can walk around and through the the old the stone arches, these natural stone arches that look like that make it look like cathedral, old ruins of cathedral, so Man, so much stuff. So there they you guys have it. That's like a three-week itinerary in Galicia and Santiago. So even if you're not a pilgrim, there's a ton of stuff to do in Santiago de Compostela and the surrounding area. Yeah, definitely. It's it's very beautiful. And I mean, especially if you come in sp- spring and summer, early fall, it's it's beautiful. And hopefully you won't get the rain of winter. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you don't show up in February. Although me and Heather had a fantastic time there in February as well. But yeah, I'm sure there's times that are more beautiful. As far as recommendations for when people come, you would say spring, fall or summer, all kind of the same. I mean, it wouldn't... I mean, summer is just... definitely the, be- the best time. It's when the most people are there though, but you're, you're going to be getting the best weather. I mean, spring, it's hit or miss weather. It's nice. You Cody came in spring and we had some really nice sunny days, but then after he left, it rained for two weeks. So it really is, it's hit or miss, but spring is, can be very beautiful. We have a spring celebration every May, um, May 1st. It was well, a Saturday around May 1st in Santiago. And the last two years, there's been beautiful, beautiful hot weather. I've gotten sunburned because I'm super pale. And then after that, all of a sudden it just starts raining again for like weeks. So, you know, spring is nice and fall is nice, but if, if you really want, if you're, if you're if you in a hot, humid yourself, weather, yeah. go in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. And if you are heading to Santiago de Compostela, of course, stop in at the Terra Nova Pilgrim House. Gail, I'm sure you'd love for EPOP listeners to come in and say, I heard you on the podcast. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> awesome, guys. There you have it. The best things to do in an absolutely beautiful part of Spain, the Northwest corner of Spain, right above Portugal, Galicia, and the town of Santiago de Compostela. Thanks, Gail. Some Really cool tips. I need to head back just to go to DAC Stace and then to go get that tortilla espanol. Yeah. And then we'll head down to Porto and drink some wine. Yeah. Porto. <laughs> well, that, that'll be another destination diary one um, of Portugal and Porto. Fantastic place as well. So remember, guys, we are also still doing five shows a week. Some of them are the destination diaries episodes like we just did today, every Monday through Friday. And we're going to keep it going 
as long as you continue to tell us that you like it. So please, any suggestions on topics or guests, let me know. It does get hard coming up with stuff each and every day. We want to make sure that this is as perfect as you for you as well. So give us some topics, some guests that you recommend. You know, shoot me an email, trav at extrapackofpeanuts.com. If there's a guest that you don't know personally, but you just think this guy's really cool. I've read his books or or I've girl. seen him on t- or or girl, excuse me. <laughs> guy or girl, or you've seen him on TV, or it's just someone that you that you've heard of. I'll do my best to get them on. I will pull out all my charm that I possibly have that can come through a computer screen through email um, and try to get them on. So please send us the suggestions, trav at extrapackofpeanuts.com. I don't bite, right, Gail? They, they can send me suggestions. Yeah, he's pretty nice. Don't be scared. <laughs> so remember, we always love getting some love as well for our guests who are on the show. Gail's been on now two days in a row. Heather's been on a bunch. Jason's been on a bunch. So send us some love. You can leave an iTunes review today's Featured review is a new one, and it comes from Dolver22, or 22, I guess, as we like to say in English. Travis turns up the heat. This has always been a great travel podcast, giving tips and insights about strategies for travel, ways to travel for less, and a glimpse into what you can expect at various travel destinations around the globe, including now Santiago. But now, Travis has gone into overdrive and started podcasting every weekday, at least for the month of September and possibly indefinitely. It's amazing how much quality content comes through this podcast. I highly recommend it. So thanks, Dover22. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thank you, Gail, for coming on two days in a row. That's awesome. You're welcome. What are, <laughs> Day what, what are twins for? And thank you again, everyone, for the support of Podcast Gluttony and the support of the podcast Overall, until tomorrow, happy free travel. 